first seven verses. When you find that, I'm going to ask if you will stand in our precious Lord's honor. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or a majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Let's pray. Master, as we bow knees, hearts, all of us before you, we confess that you are King of kings and you are Lord of lords and that your perfect sacrifice is the only way for us to find forgiveness and a new start. It is the only way to know that we will be with you for all time, all of eternity. Father, this morning as we look at the road to redemption, as we just march through one of your Gospels, Lord, as we look at that painful yet necessary walk to Calvary, I just pray you guide us, Lord. It really doesn't matter what I say, but it does matter how you speak. So, Father, we're just dependent upon you as we continue worshiping. I just want it to be worship, Lord. I want to leave here, and I want all of us to walk out of here, and may the word on our lips be, Thank you, Jesus for what you have accomplished, what you finished, what we have, all because of you. And and so, Father, just lead us and guide us in the time that remains. We want to continue to give you the praise. In Christ's name, amen. Tough times are painful. And the fact of the matter is, death is real. Someone has said, that uh, death is a very vital statistic. One out of every one person dies. And the truth of the matter is, uh, we can try to run from death, but death is there. Uh, Max Lucado, you know, he's, he's such a great illustrator. He calls death the bully on the block that's just waiting around the corner to pounce upon us. Some people choose to cry. Some people choose to laugh. Uh, when it comes to pain and, and suffering and ultimately death, I prefer laughter if at all possible. Uh, and I started looking, uh, you know, I've seen some funny epitaphs on tombstones through the years as people have tried to counter the fact of death and eternal consequences with a sense of humor. And I looked at some new ones that I hadn't seen I wanted to share and, and open up with. Uh, 
This one says, I made some deals and some bad ones. I really went in the hole on this one. What a sense of humor. Here lies Henry Blake. He stepped on the gas instead of the brake. Merv Griffin. Any of y'all remember Merv Griffin? Merv Griffin, I will not be right back after this message. Rodney Dangerfield. There goes the neighborhood. These are actually on their tombstones, guys. Um, Here lies good old Fred. A big rock fell on his head. While living, men my tomb do view. Remember well, there is room for you. Wow. Isn't that true? Uh, In a Maryland cemetery, here lies an atheist, all dressed up and nowhere to go. I told you I was sick. Right? Remember Mel Blank, the guy that uh, was all the voices for the Warner Brothers cartoons? Mel Blank, that's all, folks. Actually, she, that, 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 that's all, folks, right? Okay. Dear departed brother Dave, he chased a bear into a cave. And the last one here uh, died from not forwarding this, this text message to ten people. Someone obviously saw some of that. We're afraid of death. Think about it. Number one, we don't really have enough information. Because we haven't been over there. We are here. We haven't made that transition. And so it's faith in in what will be on the other side. What will we face? And there are different people that have different ideas of of what awaits us on the other side. And, And the second part of it is... The fact that you can't come back. Once you cross over, you're there. And um, these things are, are, are terrifying. And, you know, I like to say that we don't volunteer for pain. We don't volunteer for struggle. We certainly didn't volunteer to go through death. It talks about in 1 Corinthians 15 that death is the last enemy that will be destroyed. And yet, although you and I don't normally want to choose the hard times. Think about it, guys. That is exactly, just like Thomas said, what Jesus Christ did. He chose to die. His whole purpose in coming here was the cross. He had some times that were joyful and some times that were blessing as He entered humanity. But always there was the shadow of the cross that was always extended across every day that He lived because He knew ultimately that's, that's where He was headed. In Luke 9.51, it says that He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. You see, through all of His ministries, through all of His healings, through all of His compassionate acts, through all of His great teaching, He was headed a specific direction. He was headed for a specific task. And that was Calvary. What's interestingly enough, 700 years before the 33-year ministry of Jesus Christ upon the earth, His obituary was written. Imagine what it would be like if your obituary was written before your death. And yet Mary, his very own mother, could have turned to Isaiah 53 and read the obituary of her son. And she could have got a glimpse into what awaited him as he faced his death. Matter of fact, just look at it again with me, what we had just read, and try to imagine it through the eyes of a mother who may have read this while she was 
waiting upon the birth of her son. He says, um, who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He, he, he chose to come as a baby, and he chose to grow up, and he chose to experience all of that. He didn't have to do that. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He wasn't that Hollywood hunk that everybody was always going, wow, look at him. It wasn't his physical appearance that was so amazing and that caught everybody's attention. Verse 3, look at the verbs used to describe him. He was despised. People loathed him. People hated him. This is what he faced. He was rejected by men. None of us like rejection. None of us want to be turned away. We want to belong. We want to be a part. He was what? A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Are you hurting today? Maybe there's something that's just ripped your heart out. We all face those days. You're not alone. Jesus Christ was a man of sorrows. That's... He was familiar with grief, with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. While he walked here, he he should have been given the attention. He should have been elevated. He, he should have been on the platform, but he wasn't. And notice as it goes on, it says, he, what did he do? He took up our infirmity. He carried our sorrows. He carries our sorrows. What a fall. Yet we considered him what? It, Stricken by God. Smitten by Him. Afflicted. That, that's God. The view was that God was bringing this pain, this suffering. And then ultimately, how could we not be thankful to Jesus? Look what it says. He was pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our iniquities. It, it was the, the sin that you and I do, the mess that nobody else wants to be around and other people are hurt. And that's what he that's what he was pierced for. That's what he was crushed for. It says the punishment that brought us peace. It was upon him. It was upon Jesus. He's the one that suffered like that, guys. It was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. That's the beautiful story of the cross as, as we march through the scripture today as we look at. And then it just describes us plain and simple. We all like sheep. We've gone astray. God, we don't have time for you. God, we'll turn this direction that way. But we're, we're not going to give our hearts to you, God. He, he says we're like sheep. We've gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way, not God's way. And what happened? The Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He took that. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Did he complain about it? No, it says he did not open his mouth. Instead, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This was the, the suffering and the pain that he faced for us. Isn't that just an amazing thought? Turn me to the book of Matthew as we're just going to march through here as we look at Jesus. I mean, not, not only did he know that he was going to die, not only was he familiar with this obituary, but the fact of the matter is he wanted his followers to be aware too. 
He wanted them to be aware of why He was there. He wanted them to be aware of what was ahead. And, and, and so Matthew 16, we're going to march through a couple of chapters of Matthew as we're shown again and again how He reveals His death. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to His disciples He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that He must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Now, we've, we've heard this so many times. Let this sink in as the disciples heard this for the first time. As they heard the one they loved, the one they cherished, the, the one they placed their faith in say, I have to go and I have to suffer at the hands of these religious leaders and, and I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be murdered. And on the third day, raised to life. Look at Peter's... <laughs> Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. You know, it wasn't long ago that uh, passage before, he said, you're the Christ, the living God. But now he says, Lord, what are you talking about? You're the Christ, the living God. You're the conqueror. You're the victorious one. You're not going to suffer and you're not going to die. God, what are you talking about, Jesus? And, and, and notice as Jesus' response. He, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God but the things of men. In, in other words, Satan, the devil, certainly wanted to keep his clutches on all of us, on all people. He, he wanted to see us sinking in our sin and in our transgressions because he smiles when God is hurt and God is broken over us and our sin. That's what this is all about. That's what the cross is all about. That's what Jesus is all about. And He was trying to share. And they couldn't grasp all that Jesus was trying to say to them. But He, he was sharing. I'm, I'm going to suffer. I'm, 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 going to pay. I'm, I'm going through pain. And turn over the next chapter. Ch- chapter 17. Once again in 22 and 23. We see that He, he shares with those disciples once again. And this is after He had healed a, a boy with a, a demon. He gathers those disciples. He says, um, When they came together in Galilee, He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill Him, and on the third day He will be raised to life. Did you hear me the first time? I'll tell you again. Jesus wanted to reinforce and make sure that they heard once again. And this time, instead of someone saying, No, Lord, you're not going to do that, Lord. Notice what it says here instead. And the disciples were filled with grief. You see, they had had some time to reflect upon what Jesus had said. And now they heard it again, and it stung deeper this time. Jesus is not changing His course. He really means this. These words hit hard disciples. You see, there was no other way to deal with these sins, the the issue of being separated from a holy God. There had to be a perfect sacrifice, and Jesus was the only one who could accomplish that. Chapter 20, verses 17 uh, through 19. Now, Jesus was going up 
to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside and said to them, boy, this is getting him closer to home, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. Thank God for the last phrase here. On the third day, he will be raised to life. There's horror, but it's followed by hope, isn't it? And then 26, 1 and 2. Um, when Jesus had finished saying all these things, He said to His disciples, as you know, the Passover is two days away. It's just two days away now. And the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Two days away. Disciples, what are two days? What must have those two days been like? Turn with me over to John chapter 13. This is a section of Scripture where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, where He is sharing with them. The time is drawing near. Verse 18, uh, he says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I've chosen. But this is to fulfill the Scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. Whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. I know he found comfort in God, but he also found comfort in the twelve that had roomed and roamed with the Master, as one author put it. You see, they hung out together through the ministry there was a shared experience and yeah Jesus is fully God but Jesus is also fully man and those guys were his brothers they were his man they 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 were a family to him he says one of you one of you is going to betray me and it's interesting as you look in John 13 that these guys all look around they had no idea who it was is it me could I be the one Lord that's going to betray you Little did they know he'd be the guy they put in charge of the money, which means they must have really, really trusted him because we're really, really fond of money, aren't we? And yet he was the one. He was the one. And even when he went out into the night, they didn't know really what was going on. Maybe he's going to help somebody who has needs and give give money to those who have needs. They didn't realize that he was about to betray Jesus. They they didn't realize. And he even goes on in in the chapter, uh, at the end of chapter 13, John, um, he talks about loving one another. And he talks about suffering that is to come. And then verse 38, uh, he says to, uh, well, verse 37, Peter says, Lord, 
why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? And then he warns him, I, I tell you before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times, Pete. And then notice what Jesus says. The disciples are broken. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then this beautiful section of, hey, there's a place in heaven for you guys. <laughs> my father's house, many rooms. I'm, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And, and then verse 4, he says that you know the way to the place where I'm going. And, and you know, Thomas says, what? What are you talking about, Lord? What's all this coded stuff? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? He wants some specific directions. And Jesus said, you know, you're looking for some specific directions of a road map. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. <laughs> the way you get there is through me. That's, that's what he says. He's, you know, you go on to John chapter 11, 25, 26. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he may die, he shall live and never die. This is what he's trying to say to these disciples. And then in 20, uh, back in Matthew 26, verse 30, um, after they share the Lord's Supper together. It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They like to sing. We like to sing, though. Music's great. There are times where you can sing, and it's just like Jesus just fills you up. Just floods you, you know? Music's wonderful. And they sang. I wonder what they, I don't know what they sang. One commentator suggested maybe Psalm 136. I don't know. The Lord's good, His love endures forever. But, but they sang, and then they headed, where are they headed? Toward the Mount Olives. They came to the garden. Remember the garden? Jesus took them with Him. He came to a place, He said, okay, you guys wait here. Then He took three with Him. And then He took the three and He said, guys, I, I, I'm really hurting. I need you to pray. Just stay here and pray for me, okay? Yeah, Lord, we got it. No problem, Lord, we'll pray. So Jesus goes, and then we read about the battle. If there was ever any doubt that it was difficult for Jesus to fulfill the mission of Calvary. Look in that section of Scripture, Matthew, near the end of Matthew. He's struggling. He's in the garden. He's praying. It says, as sweat comes off of his head... It's like blood because of the intensity of the battle. But he comes to a point and he says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. You know, I, I wish you'd take this away, but if you're not going to take it away, okay, Lord. And, and and he comes out of there and, of course, they're sleeping, you know. And Jesus is disappointed. Can you just stay awake and pray for me? And then there comes the betrayal. And, and then he's marched off. And, and then there were the mock trials. Jesus went through six trials. They started at 1.30 in the morning. The first trials were Jewish trials. And they came and they were accusing him of blasphemy. But in order to get him crucified, you see, it didn't mean anything to the Roman government. Blasphemy. So they, he had to be considered a traitor against the Roman Empire. And so they brought him before Pilate. Pilate 
couldn't find anything wrong with him. There were all these trials, all these accusations. There, you know, there was a jury that had been planted there. That was illegal. The trials happened through the night. That was illegal. There was no defense that Jesus had. In the, that's illegal. It was all illegal. And in the end, Pilate said, he didn't do anything. So what happened? They sent him to Herod. What happened? Herod couldn't find anything wrong with him. He sent him back to Pilate. What did Pilate do? He tried to work a deal. Why don't you take this guy Barabbas? I mean, he's a murderer. They'll, they'll take Barabbas. But no. They yelled, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And the crowd said, let Jesus die instead. You see, in the end, after all these trials, they couldn't find Jesus guilty of anything. They didn't find him guilty of a crime. So what did they do? They declared him guilty. You see, there's a big difference between being guilty and being declared guilty by someone who has no evidence. And that is exactly what happened. He wasn't guilty, but they declared him guilty. The ones who had no right to judge. The ones who didn't know the facts. The ones who were bent upon destroying Jesus Christ. They declared Him guilty. They didn't find Him guilty. And then at 8 o'clock in the morning, He headed out to face the scourging. And, and He was beaten. And I don't want to spend a lot of time going into that. It, we hear that so many times this time of year. But it was, it was, a, it was horrible. It was if you've ever seen the Passion of the Christ, if you, you want to get a picture of that. And yet scholars say it was worse. And then the robe that was placed on him was ripped off. And, and the crown of thorns was ripped off its head. And, 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 and he was bloody and he was forced to carry the cross through town. And then approximately at 9 o'clock, he arrived at the place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And, and they took him and they nailed him to that cross. They held his hands and they nailed his feet. And, and then at, at that time, about 9 o'clock, they, they placed that cross in the ground. And then at noon, it says that darkness covered the earth. And, and we know through a series of events, Jesus came to a place where He said, It is finished. Hey, hey the word there is, is not talking about finished in the sense of, My pain is finally over. I can just finally be finished with the agony. Instead, the word finished is speaking about accomplishment. It is the idea of my mission has been accomplished. The idea that my sacrifice has been received. I love how it says it in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 5.21. Where it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Think about it. The only one who didn't know sin chose to become sin for us. And why did He do it? So that you and I might become the righteousness of God. We can chew on that for all of eternity, okay? And, and that's the cross. That's the picture of, of the cross. And, and, and then he gave up his life. And then they, they took him down from that cross later and they placed him in the tomb. And I'm so grateful that's not where it ends. Aren't you grateful there's next Sunday?
matter of fact, I, I understand the point where you have people who have the, the statues of Jesus hanging on the cross. But man, I'd much rather see my Lord resurrected and at the right hand of the Father and interceding for us. Because that's, that's the story. It doesn't end at the cross. It's the resurrection. It's the ascension. <laughs> it's the victory that He gives. And that brings uh, the message away from the road to redemption to have you walked the road? Have you gone to the destination? Have you looked at Calvary and saw Jesus hanging up on a cross and have you realized it was for me that He died? He chose to become sin because I needed a Savior. I needed someone to die for me that I might live. That's what the gospel is all about. And this time of year, and, and on this day, you know, that we call Palm Sunday, he was marching toward Calvary. He, he was marching toward that moment. And we find ourselves here again, so many years later, still in that moment. Are we going to place our confidence and our trust and our hope in the only sacrifice that will give us forgiveness before God? So what have you done with the person of Jesus Christ? What have you done with Calvary? What have you done with the cross? I love that song we sang, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you as we've had time to take the road to redemption, Lord. So now what? Father, my prayer is that everyone here has said yes to that love, the deep love of the Father showed in Jesus Christ and has bowed the heart and the head and said, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know I need to be forgiven. Enter my life, enter my heart. Forgive me, give me a new start. Give me that secure hope that I'm headed to heaven. And the strength to live each day for you. Father, that's why Jesus came. And that's why he died. And we don't want to leave here and miss that. So have your way. We call this time, Lord, response or invitation. But unless you pull us to you, unless you draw us toward you, your word says we can't even come to you. We can't understand we can't grasp what we need. So Holy Spirit, I beg and plead with you to open our hearts this morning to respond as you want us to. Whether it's to come to this altar and pray or whether it's to come and make a decision public before your people here that is you want, Lord. We just want to be obedient to you this morning. So I simply ask that you might have your way and whatever you ask that we might say yes in Christ's name we pray